Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek, episode 130. I'm Andrew. And I'm unprepared. Like, I got a lot of stuff for future episodes, but like this one, I'm winging it. To be fair, this was kind of a, a low news week. We've got a couple of things to talk about, nothing major, so... No, there's like since we caught up last little week, out there. Yeah. There's like, I was talking to a couple friends earlier, it's like, there's nothing out. And then a friend of mine tried to convince me to go see Sub Rubicon, and I was like, no, no thanks. Yeah, I've, I've actually been stuck in today. I was going to go go out and get some lunch to see a friend with the uh, with the baby and then i realized i lost my car keys you are basically hermetically sealed in your house with a child yeah especially because when becky went out she also took the, the little baby backpack carrier and the stroller so <laughs> I mean, it's raining out, so I don't want to take him for a walk, but if I did, I couldn't. Right. Out here, it's a heat wave, and both our cars are having engine troubles at the same time. I'm still impressed your car has an engine. It still has an engine. Well, look, I rebuilt that engine in, like, 2010, so I expect that to last. <laughs> like, it was literally rebuilt. That's fair. No, it's a, it's a minor problem, but it was just one of those moments where, like, both of us have car problems and she's working overtime so i'm just sitting at home yep so i had to like call friends and be like rescue me yeah, let I'm... me see the outside sun let me get my dose of vitamin d I, I listened to a lot of my audiobooks today oh okay good all right so we've got a couple news stories let's just go ahead and get into them uh, dive into the shit so the first one is the closing of south carolina's silver city comics which will be closing today as of recording october 29th and the tragic end of the legendary comic book store that i just found out about before we went on air right so what i see is the significance of this again this is not a store i have visited or was familiar with it is however one of the oldest comic book sellers in the country they've been doing so for the last 60 years basically they started off as a newsstand and have made their way into the comics and gaming world starting back in the 70s but they've been selling comics for over 60 years and again it really just kind of highlights the the difficulty in the industry and it has been for a while by the way woman woman owned and run yeah owned by uh woman and heart and run by she and her daughter angela but well, yeah. to make note is the pirate there's a paragraph that says it's closing marks the third comic book shop closing in columbia south carolina in the past year following punk monkey comics i, I like that title I like yeah. that name. And Comics Apocalypse. And what makes me wonder about this are comic book shops or comic book stores. Do we call them shops or stores? I always call them shops. I tend to say shops, but... Yeah. It, are they starting to suffer the same effects that I saw occur with magic shops like, dec uh, like a decade and a half ago? Is that the brick and mortar model because of online comic books and online reading of comic books, is it starting to catch up to them? Is that is that part of what it is? I don't think it's strictly the digital market. You don't think so? I don't think so. Part of it. It is certainly a contributing factor. And to be honest, I am one of those people contributing to that. I read mm -hmm. most of my comics digitally now because otherwise I wouldn't have space in my house. Mm -hmm. So there, that is part of it. I think a lot of it has to do with the change in dynamics. You know, we I think you and I talked offline a little bit about the changing comics market last week. Yeah. You, when you and I were talking, it was in the context of diversity, but really just the change. Yeah. Changing market dynamics and the demographics and the groups that are, are have been perennially reading comics is slowly and slowly slowly shrinking. And to, you know, as we mentioned before, the direct market is a fucking disaster. Yeah. It's basically the market model that comic books seem to be running on is becoming slowly obsolete and their market pool seems to be moving on. And it was funny. I had this conversation with a friend of mine a couple days ago. We were going to an open mic and we stopped at an In-N-Out burger in front of a game store I like. And he was surprised that you could have a store just dedicated to board games and tabletop games. And his point was, 
shouldn't a store like this be comic books and games? And like for, for a while they were, because you and I remember the kind of downturn on comic books in the early and mid 90s where comic book stores had to basically diversify their inventory to survive. Yeah, true story. And I'm curious, because I don't know anything about this store, were they a pure comic book store, or were they also like a pure comic book and collectibles and games and whatever? Do now, we know? The way this article reads, and it's fairly short from uh, Bleeding Cool, it, it, is. it appears to be a, a gaming and comics shop. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, again, the market is not an easy place for these kinds of shops. I, mean, mm -hmm. I, I have friends who ran a shop here locally that had to close because, you know, thankfully they, they were able to stop when they were and not run themselves into debt, but had they not right. been able to they would have they would have you know caused themselves a lot of financial problems otherwise and I, again the direct market i think is a lot to blame mm -hmm. and for those again for those who aren't aren't, aren't familiar with the direct market is the way that comics are sold to retailers and the fact that you have to order a comic three months in advance mm -hmm. and you have to be able to predict your sales figures for a particular book three months ahead of time a lot of times you can't you can't return books or you can't return all of the books or things like that so and all of it comes through diamond Right. Diamond effectively has a monopoly. I think way back when, probably in the, the 90s, when Diamond took, really ended up in this position, I, I believe a few retailers actually attempted to sue for antitrust violations mm -hmm. and basically marvel and dc said you know we're we just choose to use diamond because they're convenient like this isn't a right. this isn't a trust scenario it's they're the best and they're the you know the ones we want to use so the from what I understanding was the case was dismissed right to be perfectly honest diamond has some of the shittiest customer service in history so i've heard just last week when i, I mentioned i went to the the comic books sale that i'm friends with the owner of the store and we were talking a little bit about diamond and the his diamond rep had the audacity to say we don't sell collectibles hmm. when when he and he he, he called he called the rep out on him on it because mm -hmm. he was like look i'm looking at diamond previews and you you literally call this a collectible issue mm -hmm. he's like so don't tell me you're not concerned with the quality of the book like the the physical condition of the book when you call it a collectible like you know what you're doing and you're telling me a lot a line of shit so tell me something if you because you probably spend a lot more time at comic book shops than I do, but I, I do see there is some mirror parallels with what's happening to shops now and what has happened already to magic stores because they have a similar model where they they get their stuff from one particular distributor. I think it's called Magic Makers. Can't remember. But basically, the market from the buyer's end, the customer end, they, they're just having changing tastes. And it's that changing taste that's hurting the brick and mortar. Do you, do you start to see that? Like they don't spend time in the shop because the shop is no longer a hangout spot. And do you see people just not buying print comics as much anymore? Is that creeping up more and more and more and having effect on the bottom line? Because if I had a guess, my prediction would be that that's going to be if it's not a major factor now it's trending to become one just based on what i've seen happen with magic shops um kind of so part of the issue with buying paper comics is the price mm -hmm. yeah and that's the same issue with magic books it's, it's just huge i mean obviously they're way more expensive but that price always matters yeah well the difference here is that magic books aren't periodicals no they're not that's true right? there's so, very few periodicals in magic and especially now with a lot of uh, i mean marvel has gotten to this especially but even dc's jumped on this bandwagon not too distant past i should say is like double shipping so now you basically there are 24 issues of batman that come out a month uh, a month a year mm -hmm. so and each of them are 
three to four bucks a piece. Yeah. I mean, that that gets extremely expensive. So it's funny because DC did a really great job of starting to bring people in in, in the door with some of the, the relaunch of their, their, their titles here not that long ago. And then, again, shop owners I've talked to said, yeah, we saw a noticeable drop-off because it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. I think comic shops and 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 magic shops may have may have some of the same uh stereotype but comic shops have a very 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 negative stereotype in terms of the kinds of people that hang out there and the environment in which they exist you know it's very much like it's our place to hang out you know new people aren't particularly welcome a lot of them have a very dungeon-esque feel <laughs> certainly not it's certainly it's not emblematic of all comic shops but a number of them are, are not welcoming to various different other groups the one that comes to mind always is women obviously you know I, sometimes i think there's a little bit of hyperbole in, in the out there in the internet but i mean you talk to enough people like fucked up shit happens in comic shops when, <laughs> when, when women walk in uh-huh. people, you know part of it is these are guys who don't have a whole lot of social skills a lot of times and they don't know how to talk to other human beings let alone women mm-hmm. and then they end up saying really dumb shit and you know people say really dumb really offensive hateful stuff to you often enough you don't want to go in mm-hmm. and then you know 10 you know 15 years down the road you don't want to take your kids in sure so i think I, you know, I don't know if magic shops have that very kind of ex- exclusivity feel to them. Well, they, they've they always had, but that's by dint of the nature of the art form. There are stories from the 30s where there were the serious shops and then the, like the, the, the trinket shops. Yeah. So so like there's stories like guys would come in and they'd ask, hey, is this the magic shop? And the the workers would be there and they would ask, well, have you read Erdnase? Do you know what a diagonal palm shift is? And the guy would go, no. It's like, oh, you don't, we're, we're not the right magic shop for you. You want the one around the corner. That has existed for a long time. And that could be a part of it. I, I think that's a small part of it. Yeah. Uh, at least in, in magic it is. Just because if you're bullheaded enough to want to find this stuff out, you will. And for every story like that, there is another story, if not more stories, about a really determined kid who wanted to learn magic from, from one of those workers. Right. And the worker was more than happy to, you know, teach this new up-and-comer a thing or two yeah like so, there's just there's replete, at least in, in my art form there's there's more stories of that than there are being people getting chased out if the, if you demonstrate a willingness to want to stick it out you're you're welcome in open arms yeah now with, and, with and comic I think books that's a, I don't that's, know no I think that's a very different so so with comic books I really don't know because I don't spend a lot of time in there if I'm in a shop like that it's really like I'm browsing and I'm in and out or I'm buying a board game and if I'm there for any extended period of time it's it's gaming so right. it's, a, it's much more interactive so I don't know about the comic book shop mentality because I, I very rarely spend a lot of time in there like I was just talking offline about I bought I bought comic books from a Barnes and Noble like the other day like that's where I usually go to look for stuff right uh, but if I, if you had to rank it because it was just based on this quick because I was looking if they've lost three in the past year and here in San Diego they're there are newer shops and they're big which is stunning well there's one in a mall its inventory is gigantic and I, it, its floor space is huge and I, I was I talked we went to go see it a couple weeks ago and I turned to my girlfriend and I said how the hell does this thing expect to exist like I like you talk about the stereotype of magic uh, of, of comic book shops part of the stereotype 
prototype is they're tiny, but this one was was big. And I, I, and I just don't know if a the business model like you talked about the direct model I think is probably the pro, the right now the primary downward pressure negative pressure on comic book shops. I think soon I think the digital market is going to really creep up on comic book shops and have a, a paradigm shift the way the digital market has had a paradigm shift on Magic. I just see it coming. If it's not here yet, wait five years. That's just a prediction of I, mine. I don't and know. I, think, I don't know that it, that one. I don't know that it will. One because of the collector the collector's aspect of it. And mm -hmm. two, even trying to buy stuff like buy comics online mm -hmm. having them shipped to you like there there is just and, and it's not necessarily justified anymore but there's an, just historically comics get damaged in the mail sure and oh that's not exactly what i'm referring to I, and again i don't know either this is just a prediction on my part is i think as we've talked about before the demographic the older demographics of comic book buyers move out and, or die and the younger ones move in expectations and norms of the younger generations are going to be very different from your you know yours or mine or those of us a generation older and i, I my prediction is that that's going to play a big, big role into it. And I think the sec the third is is that kind of either stereotype, whether justified or not, will always have something, you know, a negative image, a negative connotation will always have something to do with it. Sure. It's funny you're talking about new stores that are big. Mm -hmm. I mean, even those stores run on such such a small profit margin. So yeah. the one that comes to mind is Atomic Comics out in Arizona, mm -hmm. where they had f four or five locations, and they were big. Mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, and they always had been. They, I used to go there when I was a kid, and even up through when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And it was right before DC launched the new Fifty Two, so probably about six or seven years ago now. What had happened was at one of the stores, an underage driver, so someone who didn't have their license and wasn't insured, accidentally drove a car through one of their front windows. Oh God. Okay, so yes, the store made an, you know they made a claim against their insurance, but the payout took so long that sure. they were no longer they weren't able to buy the books. Mm. So the entire business ended up closing up all all four or five shops because of this one incident because their profit margins were so small they didn't have enough yeah. they weren't able to to get the comics in to get them out. And keep in mind this is before the days of GoFundMe and Kickstarter and and sites like that. Yeah, although I don't even know that that would have been that would have been fast enough. I mean, oh, really? the the turn around on this was so like them closing was so sudden people had pre-ordered like all of their new 52 titles and some mm -hmm. of some of them in fact had actually paid in advance for some of these titles hmm. and i mean they, they would they showed up and there's a sign on the door saying hey we're closed i mean there was no 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 it was like it was like less than a month yeah it, there was there was hmm. no notice on this so interesting yeah again the comics industry is just a, a very very bizarre business i'm really curious in the next five to ten years to see how this thing changes i'm really curious as with anything in the market you can never truly predict where it's going to go it's just it's here and then in hindsight you can say oh that made perfect sense that's why it happened right all right so the other news story we've got is an article through io9 has come out through gizmodo and we are able to see not just hear about but actually see the north of grumman marvel comic that was canceled and now i have not had a chance to read the actual comic I've, the article basically has a running commentary in between each of the pages and i've read through it and it's about what you expected it is mm -hmm. You know, it's a promotional comic for North of Grumman. Mm -hmm. It's the Avengers are suddenly unable to defeat a C-level villain that they've easily defeated multiple times before. So they've got to call in this team of super scientists. And, you know, it, it's ham-faced it's all the dialogue and, and the, the narration apparently especially is rough just because it's trying to overly explain everything. So, you know, and, and it's, you know, very much 
you know, look, look at it's all, bad. All right, let's just say it's bad. It's not yeah, good. Look, it's look at look at all of, look how look how awesome our super scientists are. Even the Avengers have to come for us. Right, it's it's bad. And look, I think everyone knew it was going to be bad. It's a promotional yeah. comic for a freaking defense contractor, so it's silly. And you look, they've got the little the little ads in their dream reality north of Grumman. What which I you know what's strange to me? Well, the only thing I really wanted to wonder about, what I'd be curious about, is what do you think Northrop Grumman expected to get out of this? Was this like, hey, nerds read comic books. We employ nerds. We should advertise in comic books. Would you think that's what they were thinking? No, I think that's exactly what they were thinking. Was, okay, that's what I was like. Okay, but why? I mean, just I guess why would they do something like this rather than just put ads in comic books? Because ads in comic books have been around for freaking ever. This just seems silly. Like they were asking to get chewed up. I feel like that. That's just. Then I and also I just marked this into the like. Really, this is. A, I feel like I'm spending too much time on this than it warrants. Well, I mean, again, I mean, part of it, it's a promotional comic for you know they can hand out at events and stuff, and it's a comic about them so they look you know i mean kind of even going back to what we were just talking about you know comic book characters are at an all-time high yeah comic books are not yeah I was thinking about that the other day. I was so, like, geez, comic books are in a tough spot. But then again, those fucking movies are killing killing it. Right. So 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 it. the as as IP comic books are are great, but as physical physical items to sell, they're not so great. Yeah. So instead of banking on these ads getting to people, you know, they they can take these books to corporate events and career fairs and all that kind of crap and hand them out. You know, I mean, I mean like free comic books like here, you throw this out. Well, it's no different than like when you were and I and you and I were in college and they'd give you a free squish ball. You know, a little stress ball. It's no different than that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Although I, I make use out of the squish ball and bottle opener. I'm almost certain I still have an electric boat bottle opener attached to my keys. I still have two electric boat squish ball submarines. Yeah. I may or may not have thrown one at the cat a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's electric boat bottle opener because I've had it for so long the paint has <laughs> faded off. Yeah. So. All right, moving on from this. Yeah. I just I, I've had enough of this one. <laughs> it's just it's stupid. Okay, move on. The world's not going to end. All right. So did you get a chance to watch the new mutants trailer? Because this is actually one that came out that we had kind of forgotten about last week. Uh, negative, because when I was about to pull it up, everything freaked out, and we had a. We, that's why we're starting late. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm interested in this one. They're playing this up very much as a horror film, mm -hmm. and basically what what it appears is they are taking the new mutants storyline of the demon bear. They call it the demon, demon bear. Demon bear. They keep calling it the demon bear saga. It's two. Uh -huh. It's like two or three issues. It's not a saga. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, the demon bear two or three issues doesn't sound as cool as demon bear saga. So no, it look, doesn't. You're yeah. gonna have to give them a little bit of leeway. Yeah. And the Demon Bear is one of the kind of the hallmark stories of of the New Mutants. So I, I'm interested to see. It's an interesting choice, interesting way to introduce these characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks well, like they've got pretty much all of the all of the New Mutants from that time period. I'll say this much. I don't know anything about the New Mutants. This is, we're, we're traveling into the depth of Marvel canon that I, I really have never made contact with. But what I will say just as now, from the perspective of, was essentially a casual fan, not in the know, I'm happy to see that Marvel is starting to move into different genres and different motifs. Yeah, although to be fair, this is Fox because it is mutants. Oh, that's true. However, I did see the Marvel logo at the beginning of the trailer, so I feel like they must have had probably a licensing requirement, but... Well, yeah, it's a licensing. If you, I mean, if you look at the... All, like, all of the... Um, all the X-Men films have a Marvel logo at the beginning because it's a licensing thing. But yeah. it does, it's not the Marvel Studios logo. Right, well, what I mean to say is that I'm glad to see superhero movies then move into different genres and okay. with different motifs. All right, that's uh, fair. And, and you know what? I'll give Fox a little bit of extra credit because right now, most of it 
seems to be coming from Fox. Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and I want, and obviously want to say most, this is not to imply there's a large body of work right now, but if you look at just within the last two years, Deadpool, Logan, and the way this is, appears to be turning out, yep. is they had very different genre tones than your standard Marvel Disney film. Marvel stuff. Yeah. That just Deadpool was, you know, just in terms of tone, in terms of execution, very different. Logan, uh, again, tone, execution, very different. And this looks like it's just in a completely different genre. Yeah. You're right. We've gone into total horror. And to an extent, to an extent, Disney Marvel, Marvel Mothership, Marvel Brainchild, Marvel Mainframe, Marvel Big Brother, whatever you want to call it, looks like they're willing to start to experiment. Like they, they almost nailed it with Ant-Man. And it appears that Thor Ragnarok has added a little dose of self-awareness. And to an extent, Guardians of the Galaxies have, have kind of, I, I guess, you know, turned the knobs, tweaked tweak the mixture a little bit, yeah. which is well, welcome in, in many cases. But I'm surprised that I feel excited for the 20th Century Fox stuff after the Turd Ferguson they gave us with X-Men Apocalypse. I'm like, just, I'm surprised I'm, I'm, I have that I'm, feeling. I'm actually just kind of wondering if there's something about Fox and not being able to uh, close, a, close the deal on a third film, you know? Oh, just in general, that Fox can't close trilogies out? Yeah. That's certainly, like... That's, the, the that's only, a pattern the, they have. Like you're not, you're the, not. The only one that off. the only one that's really not that that way is is. Is, Logan. Uh, Logan, but the first film, like that—that's a trilogy that's gotten better, not worse. Correct, which is which is rare, which is a rare exception. Yes, but yeah. you're right. Um, X Men X Three, whatever that one was called. I forgot X. I just called it X Three. Is the Brett Ratner X Men? That was a joke. Apocalypse was kind of a joke. Then you think of Spider Man. I think was also Fox, right? So no, Spider Man is Sony. Spider Man Sony. Okay, well that one but also even didn't still, yeah. Itself. And then if you think like the second attempt at Spider Man didn't even get a third film. Yep. So yeah, trilog look, trilogies are tough in general. Yeah, this is true. Uh, Despite the fact that most most major franchises really push for them, dude, it's just the money. Like the, the fucking the franchise it, no, it, as a whole. It's, this, makes this is so this is George money. Lucas's fault. We get three Star Wars movies, and suddenly everything has to be three movies. Oh, you talk about like back in the seventies and eighties now. Well, yeah, I mean that's where it really started. Yeah, I mean that's when yeah that's we had that kind of trilogy bookend kind of feel to it because at that time, if I think about it, Bond would have been the only series I can think of that was ongoing, and and it would by by the time Star Wars rolled around we we had we were four or five bond films in six i don't i really don't know well, but the, just spitballing at this point and the thing about bond films is that they're really not connected to one another no no at least certainly not at that time i mean i mean there's there's very little connection to them at all the craig ones have connections the, the, that's, the that's craig like, ones do but that's like and that was funny because if you talk to some bond diehard fans that they have a problem with that well the other i mean the only other time i can think of like really having a connection you know you'll periodically have the character of felix lightheart running through as the the cia agent who who bond teams up with right and then you had jaws in two of the films yeah and didn't he also throw what's his name into a smokestack at the beginning of a film uh bloom i can't remember the bad guy's name not bloomfield uh blofeld, but blofeld that was it like he was he a villain in, in one film and then he kills him in like the first five minutes of another yeah yeah uh, actually to be fair so, minor the, connections um, specter was kind of in and out of the first one but not heavily right 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 well like the whole thing with specter and the craig films that's that we could do a podcast in and of itself well no no that was, that's that different but like dr no was a member of specter blofeld is a right. member of specter like, right there right, are a couple right. of his early villains are all members of Spectre. Correct, correct. But I, I was talking about like specific. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there is no storyline continuity to it. Right, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair point that you know, Lucas definitely had a hand to play in that, and we're still suffering through it. 
Yeah. Hey, let's talk about Thor for a second, though. We were, we were talking. Well, yeah, well, speaking of Thor, that was the great transition. Yeah, so this is what's interesting. Thor's not coming out until this weekend, uh, this Friday, as of this recording. And there's been a lot of good buzz about it. Uh, you saw a preview screening of it, right? That was you who was telling me. Uh, it wasn't a preview. It wasn't like a, a preview screening. It was like a, an extended preview at Disney. Okay, preview cut um, or whatever. Yeah, and it, was, it, was, it was about hard. 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and they've done that with things like Avatar a couple years ago. And, and that's common. And that's a lot of people do. That's pretty cool. And right now at a, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting about 96% with, let me check how many critics have seen it so far. Negative Ooh, three. About 106. <laughs> wow. So 106 critics. So Holy shit. Uh, so they're they're liking it right now. I feel like, I don't remember, I, remember, I don't know if I talked about you about this, or maybe I was talking to Rich about this, that they screened this early for critics, which is why so many have seen it already. I think that was a thing. Well, I don't, I, I can't, I, I can't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised about by that no, they definitely I'm, now that now that i see that i think that was the jog in my memory but i'm just more impressed that it's that high with that many yeah. you know usually like early on if it's that high it's only got like maybe a dozen right no but i do remember now i having a discussion with someone that they released thor to critics like a week early and that's that's why that number is so high okay on a, in addition to that thor has already been seen in the international market now if you, this is off the box office mojo and this weekend was kind of weak because you had jigsaw sub rubicon thank you for your service and then follow-ups with you know tyler perry's boo geostorm happy death day and blade runner so right now we're in that like dog days of fall moment before yeah. we hit the oscar baby movies because i think they're gonna start this weekend because already i was just looking ahead for this coming weekend in addition to thor ragnarok you've got last flag flying which is the brian cranston lawrence fishburne steve corral movie about vietnam vets you've got ladybird which is one of those uh you know indie movies indie draw character drama movies my friend Dahmer, which is based on a comic book which i've paged through but never finished that i I quite liked of the same name by um oh shoot what's his name I'm blanking out right now here it is uh John Bachdorf and of course uh LBJ by Rob Reiner so we're start and and coming up will be Murder in the Orient Express and so we're getting into that award season stuff nevertheless let's talk about Thor has been shown in uh, in national markets already and we'll just pluck this this is at the bottom paragraph of this article from uh, boxofficemojo.com in international news Disney and Marvel's release of Thor Ragnarok into 36 material markets this weekend delivered an estimate of 107 million. Disney reports the opening is plus 4% ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and plus 22% ahead of Doctor Strange when comparing the same suite of territories at today's exchange rates. The release accounts for approximately 52% of the international marketplace and was led by the UK with an estimated 15 million followed by South Korea another 15.5 million, uh, Australia 8.4 million, Brazil 8.3 million, France 7.4 million, Indonesia 5.5 million, Taiwan 5.4, Italy, Philippines, Malaysia, Spain, Hong Kong, Singapore, Argentina, etc. So if the critical praise for Thor Ragnarok isn't enough to get you going, clearly the international audiences seem to really like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said last week, the, the more I see about it, the more I, I really want to see it. And I will say this, Hollywood kind of needs this kind of blockbuster right now because off the top of my head, I can think of more big movie bombs than big movie hits this now, summer. Hollywood's taken it, has taken it in the teeth this year oh yeah this year this was bad this was really bad i mean there was just article after article of just 
just falling on their swords <laughs> with, with what apparently were supposed to be big movies. Like, for instance, Geostorm. Geostorm, which is pulled in $23 million for a budget of $120 million. Yeah, and, and, you know, the very hyped Blade Runner 2049 that just didn't connect with audiences or it didn't connect with them it didn't connect with the wider population the audience that went to go see it really liked it yeah it's just that audience wasn't very big here's the thing i think i mean they pulled in 81 million for a 150 million dollar movie i think if they had been able to put put together a similar movie for half that budget that that would have been a lot better oh absolutely and and, and not just from a not just from a monetary standpoint but i think i think 150 million dollar film is just grossly overestimating their appeal to the audience oh totally and i don't i think it was well i mean rich and i had this discussion it's like just the other day it was like it was hubris it was like you know they're making a sequel to a movie that's from 35 years ago maybe more it, it amazes me that they thought they had that level of of wide appeal but we've had this conversation before when we talk about movies like john wick like think of how successful john wick or even logan for that matter were when they had respectable budgets. Yeah. Like John Wick did very well on like 20 and $40 million budgets. And I think Logan, as you said, the series got better. I think the budget also got lower. It did. Uh, so Logan, I think Logan was a, Logan's I think like below 100 million. To, yeah, Logan was like 97. But I wanna, yeah. And I want to say like Logan, I want to say it, that's about, I think that's about 20 million less than the first film. And just remembering how fucking abysmal, not only was like, did the, did the first, the movie didn't do well and it looked just like absolute shit. Yeah. It did not hold up well. Like there are CGI effects in there that are just painful to look at. They were, they pain- were bad for their time. Yeah, they were bad to look at at the time. Yeah. This is this is another thing, like looking forward to what the market for film is going to start to look like. I find this stuff really fascinating. So we've talked about where the market for paper comic books are and where the market just tangentially was for, you know, magic, what I'm interested in, or board games for that matter. But the market for movies, I find really interesting because we've seen ticket prices go up. We've seen theaters reduce seats in... in exchange for nicer more comfy seats add more amenities like food and alcohol yep and and now it looks like films are trying to get by on a smaller group of moviegoers. And there's articles out this that how at one time Americans went to the movies like they went to church, and now they're going to movies like they go to the doctors. It's like a big deal now. And yeah. may- maybe the model is that, yeah, you're going to have to produce smaller films, smaller in scare quotes, you know, 50 to $100 million movies, rather than these giant tentpole hundred to two hundred million dollar movies i mean you think about ghostbusters that came out last year you know even though it did fairly like an audience turned out for it it was so expensive you have to look at it as a failure yeah if like you did ghostbusters for the price you did logan we would probably have two more ghostbusters with that same cast coming out probably at the end beginning of next year yeah but nevertheless it looks like thor now now i want to see what thor's budget is 180 okay well so that's that's a steep ladder to climb but now i'm really interested to see how this turns out i mean it's a steep ladder to climb i mean marvel has been if anyone's going to pretty damn successful with that yes if if there's one company that right now i think can do it it's going to be disney but that's still that's no easy task no especially especially for thor yes considering how the first two films really first two thor films to my perception didn't make that much of an impact no i i enjoyed the first one felt in the avengers yeah i enjoyed the first one the second one was okay i'm really excited about this one but yeah now at the same time you know one one of the best films that marvel's put out so far is winter soldier Mm -hmm. and that first captain america film people were not happy with at all Mm. so this this is this is interesting now now i'm curious to see where this goes out how this plays out you think i'm gonna let me see here i'm gonna try and do a little bit of a prediction here not including foreign market i i think 
four will be between 110 and 120 million in that opening weekend. Let's see okay. what happens. All right. Let's see. What happens. No, that sounds that certainly sounds like a reasonable uh, a reasonable number. I feel like it would have to. It would it would need that. But let's see what happens. No, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll come back next week and see how my prediction bore out. Yeah. All right. So, dude, what have you been into this week? So I've been into a bunch of stuff for future episodes. I picked. I finally picked up. Well, I thought I had finally picked up the graphic novel that Atomic Blonde was based on. And when I plucked it out, I saw the coldest winter, and then I saw Atomic Blonde logo on the top of it, and I went, "Oh, this must be it." And then when I got home and I looked at it, it says the prequel to The Coldest City, now a major motion picture, Atomic Blonde. And I went, "Well, okay then." Whoops. So I'm, I am look. It is a whoops moment. I am, but I am looking forward to reading this. Very just paging through it. Um, very Sin City esque. Heavy shadows, black and white. A little more gray shading than Sin City had. Like Sin City was just dark black and white yes that was it there's more gray there's a little more texture with the grays in this, which I like. However, the detail on the faces, I think, is a little less. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm really interested in, in reading it. And then I picked up the graphic novel Death of Stalin, which is a, a movie. I don't know if it if it came out in small circulation and I missed it, but the, the trailer's out there on YouTube. It's fantastic. And it chronicles the three years between Joseph Stalin dying and Nikita Khrushchev coming to power in the Soviet Union. And it's it's kind of a well the movie trailer makes it appear to be kind of a parody lampooning of the soviet system at the time yeah and it looks so funny it looks great and i i get i'm hoping the graphic novel that's where they get the their kind of humor is coming from the graphic novel either way i think of that stuff is fascinating and i've always had the belief that the soviet union and the soviet era really needs a little more lampooning like we did a great job of turning you know Nazi zombies and Nazis and and Nazi Germany into villains. Like, I'm totally for that. Yep. I'm of the opinion that the Soviet Union is really due for that kind of treatment. And it appears in the last couple of years that started to happen. I'm really happy about that. And then um, on the boring academic side, I was in Barnes & Noble, and I, I like to check out to see what kind of new Napoleon stuff is out. And I picked up two Napoleon books. One is called Napoleon on War, and the other is Waterloo, the Aftermath, which is about – one is about the immediate aftermath of the Battle of Waterloo and what the Allies were doing to basically wind the war down. And then Napoleon on War is writings and, and commentary on Napoleon's kind of – Napoleon's version of Art of War that he wrote when he was in – exile at St. Helena's before he died. And I've always been interested in, in to hear what Napoleon had to say in his own words. Okay. Uh, and taking that with a grain of salt, because knowing how much of a propagandist he was and how he revolutionized propaganda for that era uh, is something to be really, really something I want to take a look at. Other than that, still just playing through South Park Fractured Butthole, really enjoy the game. And I got my brother hooked on Star Trek Online. Nice. So we're, we're playing it together. He's a tactical officer and I'm a science officer. And I'm really enjoying using science magic to like kill ships like just throwing fucking like just throwing black holes at people <laughs> and the science officer is nasty i don't know if you've played as a science officer but not. on the ship you can throw blue gravity wells and tekron rifts at them and it just my brother's like dude that's an awful way to die and then on the ground camp as a ground uh player a ground combat you like light dudes on fire like straight up you set fire to their like the area around them and they just burn like it's it's horrific you just feel terrible but then again it's it is fun and, and my brother made a great point <laughs> my brother made a great point he's like you can lose so many hours playing this game like it just yeah 
hours absolutely evaporate playing Star Trek Online. And for a free game, I, I, you really can't ask for anything more. Uh, so let's see. Being stuck in the house today, I've made significant progress on the smartest guys in the room. Mm. And I'm just I'm just now hitting the part where everything is about to, like, shit is about to hit the fan. Oh, that's and, the best part. And people are just like, people are already starting to abandon ship. Yep. And basically, everyone at the top has completely lost control of the rest of the business. Yep. So at that point, I mean, it's their fault, but they don't even realize how badly off they are. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting to to see. That's a great part to stop at. You're like, oh, here it comes. I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. Right. Stop, take a break. I want to be prepared because I want to go. You want to hit that section with in, with your full attention. And a full ball and of full popcorn. Form. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. I finished reading, going back and reading the original uh, Young Avengers mm. uh, run. It's a, it's a short run, only about 12 issues. Uh, I started rereading Sinestro Core War just because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent an hour and a half looking for my car keys. Still, still MMI. Yeah. Yep. Still, still uh, MIA. Uh, there was one other thing we did, I was doing. Oh, I went to go download and start playing Dawn of War three, mm-hmm. and the price had gone back up. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention that to you because <laughs> I had meant to talk to you about this over the course of the week because after recording it was still on a like last sunday it was still the price was down and then monday morning i went to buy it and the price was up and i was like well guess i'm not getting it yeah that was basically my thing i was like i'm not playing games enough at this point to really no, no to no, really you, justify and i'm like absolutely correct i'm not gonna spend 40 bucks right now on nope, it nope nope and like i i would have had i remembered i would have told you not to do it like if, if they were still offering that free you know try it for free even for uh, 20 even off. for 20 bucks i'd, I'd have dropped 20 bucks on it but i would yeah no 20 would have been fine too or you know the try it for free for a couple hours see if you like it yeah i would have totally said go for it but for 40 uh and, and again knowing what you know where your life is at i would have been like don't don't do it dude yeah also uh finally i have i have recorded the unboxing video for terraforming mars i will put it up i can't stand watching myself so it may just go up at completely as is oh okay good because i actually owe you there, an unboxing there's, video there's, there's gonna there, there will there will probably be a short edit at the beginning you know for the whole like starting the camera thing part yeah but beyond that just not not having it just it's ha- funny because I, I still owe you the ex libris unboxing that i did like two weeks ago and i had a reminder this morning the guy there was a guy who exchanged numbers with me the day i won the game at the raffle yeah and he hit me up this morning like hey man hope you're doing well you want to play ex libris i'm like ah oh, i can't blow this guy off i think i'm gonna try it on saturday i'll give you a report okay. but i gotta do it i gotta do it early saturday because ufc 217 is saturday night nice and i i can't miss that like I rearranged like shows to not miss UFC 217. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, it's gonna it's through three championship fights in the garden. GSP is back. Wonder Boy is back. I'm watching this. This is gonna be fun. All right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.